Hello there, and welcome to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look at the FIFA Club World Cup as African champions Esperance finish fifth. Is that good enough? Also, we speak to Zimbabwe's Edward Sadomba, who had an illustrious career in Africa and beyond, and decided to return to the club where it all started for him to finish his playing days. That's with Harare Giants Dynamos. I decided to play um, for my final game uh, in Dynamos Colors because this is the club that I like most, the club that uh, made me to be what I am today. Well, not many star players get to do this, even though many do dream of ending their career in this way. Also, we go into our archive and relive our interview with one of Africa's leading female footballers, Jean Seninde of Uganda, as this has been a great year for women's football. Wow, it was the best World Cup I've ever experienced before. I think it was better than the Men's World Cup in Russia. And lots too coming up on the English Premier League. But first, the FIFA Club World Cup ends in Qatar on Saturday, with Liverpool of England playing Flamengo of Brazil in the final. It was another forgettable edition for Africa, as the continent's representatives Esperance of Tunisia finished fifth, this after a 6-2 win over Al Saad of host nation Qatar in the fifth-place playoff, having lost 1-0 to Al Hilal of Saudi Arabia in the second round. This means that in the 16 editions of the Club World Cup, on 11 occasions we've had no African team reaching the semi-finals. Should we be doing better, Ida? Absolutely, without a doubt, we should be doing better. And look, I know interest in this club competition wavers, but Steve, I genuinely do feel that if an African team actually won the FIFA Club World Cup, it would be huge news. It would be a super big deal, you know, because it can't be that... 2010 with Tipi Mazembe and 2013 with Raja Casablanca, Steve, are literally the only memorable moments that African clubs have at this tournament. And by the way, on both occasions, they did come out as runners-up, you see. Uh, But just for quick context, look, so um, since the start of the tournament, that was back in the year 2000, African teams have played 42 matches. And this is where it gets disappointing because of those 42, African teams have won just 11 matches. And that does include the most recent 2019 win for Esperance for them to finish fifth in the tournament. Interestingly enough, Steve, uh, a lot of those bad performances actually have come at the hands of Asian clubs. And I'll tell you why this is interesting, because if you actually talk to majority of African football lovers, a lot of them seem to either, one, take football in Asia lightly, or two, not deem it as too competitive. And I do think that this is a mindset we need to change because you look at the Asian Football Confederation and it's actually much more organized, much more structured than, say, the Football Confederation here in Africa, truth be told. And of course, while winners of the FIFA Club World Cup have predominantly come from the UEFA region and the CONMEBOL region, I still do think that the AFC zone is still much further ahead of CAF. And I do think that there is a leaf to be borrowed from that. 
It says a reality check as African teams have faced Asian teams 14 times at the FIFA Club World Cup with only two wins for African sides. Yet, as you say, we tend to think of Asian football being inferior to African football. Well, let's stay with the FIFA Club World Cup as we asked for your views on social media last week. Now, as Ida said, there's been an African team in the final twice, but otherwise the continent has tended to struggle. European teams have won the last six editions and a total of 11, with the other four titles going to South American clubs. Now, the Club World Cup, interestingly, will be expanded in 2021 to 24 teams. So last week we asked, what do you think about the Club World Cup? Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard. Well, we'll start today on Facebook. And Stephen Smith in Nigeria says, Well, for me, the Club World Cup is a platform for teams to showcase their ability and talents. But it's bad to see our African teams being knocked out easily. That shows how we are lagging behind in sports. And our governments need to invest more in our football in order to challenge the other powerhouses of football clubs. And Mohamed Aikinte in the Gambia agrees that it is a tough competition for African clubs. It's a wonderful tournament which I have been following, says Mohamed, but it's disappointing that African clubs don't succeed, as it's mainly dominated by the Europeans and South Americans. This year, I guess Liverpool will win it, although Flamengo will be a tough opponent for anyone. To WhatsApp now, and Amadou Baji in The Gambia says, Wow, I'm loving this competition. Expanding it to 24 teams in 2021 will be great because it will be more competitive and harder to predict which club will be champion at the end. European teams are more organised with more quality and having experienced players. For this time in Qatar, my prediction is that Liverpool will win the trophy. But Mohammed in Sierra Leone sees a problem with expanding the competition. It is a great tournament, but I think trying to expand it for more clubs to participate will be too much for the bigger clubs that have so many tournaments to play in a season already, says Mohammed. I think it should be kept as it is right now. Medlove in The Gambia thinks the Club World Cup can offer a wider benefit to just football. Football today has a global and universal language which has tremendously helped to bring the world together, says Medlove. The Club World Cup helps this. It can help us to speak one language of love, peace and tolerance and reduce the racism that we've seen in football. Musa Gibber in The Gambia sees club finances determining who will win the competition. The FIFA Club World Cup is dominated by European clubs due to their financial muscle, says Musa. For me personally, the African team that has impressed me most in the history of the competition was TP Mazembe, the year they played Internazionale of Milan in the final. I feel so proud to have seen my continent team competing with the multi-billionaire teams of Europe. Bayton Nchiko in Malawi is also enjoying the tournament. This is where we see real good tactics in football, says Byton. And it's always good to welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And here's Mahari Jaju Cham in the Gambia. You see European teams coming in this tournament at the semi-final stage. We all know these clubs are at different levels, but for the purpose of this tournament, because it's a tournament of champions from each continent, I believe they should be at the same pecking order. They should start from scratch in this tournament. And 
Another thing is the expansion of this tournament to 24 teams. I believe this competition is the battle of champions. So I am really not in support of expanding it into 24 teams. Yes, I believe it should have remained with only champions from each, each continent coming to represent. So, Mahari is saying there that the Club World Cup should not be expanded but kept solely for the continental champions. And also that every eligible team should enter the competition at the same stage and not, as Liverpool did this year, enter at the semi-final. Alhagi Manga in The Gambia believes the African clubs have some way to go before they can compete effectively in the Club World Cup. If it is anything to go by, says Alhaji, the Club World Cup is another platform for our continent of Africa to put more resources into if our clubs want to have the mind and the will to be competing well against the strongest teams. It is high time we put better structures into our clubs and made our leagues more attractive. Increasing the teams will not make any difference for Africa as we never won it before and we will not even do so when it's been increased to 24 teams. So some strong words there from Al Haji. Yes, and this look at the FIFA Club World Cup does show there's a lot of work to be done for African club football. Thanks, Adrian. Now, many African stars who get to play for big clubs outside of their country dream of coming back home to finish off their careers. Uh, this doesn't usually happen, though, for various reasons, but we saw it here in Zimbabwe this year as Edward Sadomba returned to Dynamos at the start of the season for his swan song and played his last game last weekend as he retired. A speedy forward, Sadomba helped Dynamos to the semi-finals of the 2008 CAF Champions League, then moved to Mozambique, then to Sudanese giants Al Hilal, then to the United Arab Emirates and to Libya, becoming one of Zimbabwe's richest footballers. In 2011, Sadomba was top scorer in the Champions League with seven goals for Al-Hilal. He was top scorer in the Confederation Cup the following year. Sadomba was twice featured on the CAF Top 10 Players list of players based in Africa. At the age of 36, Sadomba's final season back here with Dynamos was nothing to shout about, scoring just one goal, but it was a chance to thank the fans and to remember where he came from. He spoke to my colleague, Ash Tikiwa. I decided to play um, for my final game uh, in Dynamos Colors because this is the club that I like most, the club that uh, made me to be what I am today and always be Dynamos. Yeah, the, the first thing, that's the, the legacy that I've, for what I've done uh, for Dynamos. Also, for them to know the Dynamos culture. The Dynamos culture is all about uh, dedication, it's all about uh, determination, it's all about uh, discipline to fight because it's, it's easy. When you play for Dynamos, you can, go, you can play anywhere. So I've done my part uh, for, 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 for Dynamos. I've done my part for the nation. So, yeah, going forward for my future, I'll, I'll not be a coach. Uh, I'll not be a coach, uh, uh, but I'll always be a Dynamos. No matter what, Dynamos is always, will be always in my heart. I'll give everything for Dynamos forever. Then even your, your experiences there, Sudan, you are a hero there. You know, in a, even, even up to now, you, you left there already. Yeah. I think there was Libya as well. I've played in uh, in Sudan. I've played in, in Libya. I've played in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, those countries they are serious about football. They put everything financially, everything. They put everything. They put everything. So for, for me to play uh, there, it's a, it's a it's a privilege because uh, I've uh, left in a legacy there. I've done my my, my best there. Uh, for example, when I was at uh, 
how he allowed in 2011 and 2012. I was um, CAF Champions League top scorer in 2011. Uh, in 2012, I was a Confederation Cup top scorer also. Twice I was nominated in the CAF uh, uh, top 10 players uh, based in Africa. So for me, it's a, it's a great achievement. Uh, also, uh, it's easy It's easy for, 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 uh, for other players, Zimbabwean players, to go and play uh, for, for those countries because I have left something there. So it's easy for them to just be in those, uh, those, those clubs because I've left something that it's, it's an avenue for them there. Even also, I want to thank my, my lovely wife, uh, Shailene. She has been there for me. She has uh, put everything. She has put her career uh, behind if, uh, and support me. So I want to thank also my family. They've been supportive. Also my friends, my teammates, they've been supportive. They've been supportive so much. So it's, it's not easy to live that thing that you love so much, especially for me. Dynamos has always been my team. Dynamos has always been in my heart. I've said to myself, I won't play for any team in Zimbabwe except Dynamos. So for the rest of my life, I'll always be a Dimbari. I'll always be a Dimbari. My blood is blue. So that's Edward Sadomba speaking to my colleague Ash Tikiwa and uh, certainly had a great career in African football and came back to finish it here in Zimbabwe with his final season with Dynamos. And uh, it's great to remember where you came from, Aida. Indeed, uh, Sodomba can definitely hang his boots up with pride, I think. I mean, he's accomplished a lot and he did also get deserved continental recognition. And I'm sure after that stellar Champions League season that I'm sure a lot of Zimbabweans must have taken uh, pride in. Um, And he's still incredibly popular, by the way, in some places like Sudan, where he played for Giants Al-Hilal. They speak of him fondly still, and it's very clear to see that he did leave a very positive, lasting legacy and impression there. Uh, Just quickly going back to the clip, must admit, I loved how he acknowledged his wife. I mean, that sort of support can never be quantified, I think, Uh, between the numerous moves can never be easy, you know. Uh, Looking at Kenya... Yes, we have had some some players who have plied their trade outside, eventually came back to finish off uh, their careers back home. Quite a few of them, but I would say most notable maybe being Dennis Oliech, was an incredible striker in his day. I mean, played for the likes of Nantes, likes of Auxerre in France, eventually came back to Kenya up until recently, was uh, under contract with Kenyan champions Gorma here. I'm sure a lot of African football fans must be familiar with in some sort of form, you know, just simply because of playing in the CAF Champions League and CAF Confederations Cup. So definitely, yes, everyone's journey is different. But I must say, Sedomba, just listening to him, quite inspiring, Steve. Yes, he didn't have to finish his career at home. He didn't do it for the money, but to say thank you to the club and to the fans. Well, thanks, Ida. Stay with us. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen too on our new look website, planetsport.tv, and our other shows are there. That's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. And in the About Us section, there are pictures and profiles of the team there. That's on our new look website, planetsport.tv. 
Well, now, as we near the end of 2019, we're going through our archive and picking some of our best interviews of the year. It was a great year for women's football, with a hugely successful FIFA Women's World Cup in France, which was won by the USA. I had a chance to meet up with one of Africa's leading female players, Jean Seninde of Uganda. I saw her at the Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt as she made her way there after the Women's World Cup in France. Seninde's clubs played for include Queen's Park Rangers in England, and she was at the Nations Cup as a CAF ambassador. Jean is 26. She moved from Uganda to play in England. She's a defender and is active off the pitch and runs the Seninde Women's Development Cup. The fourth edition was on this year in Uganda. And I asked her about her career. I started playing at eight in Uganda um, with my brothers. Then, I, I mean, I played through school. Then in search of opportunities, I got a chance to move to the UK and I've been playing with London Phoenix, played for Crystal Palace ladies, played for Queen's Park Rangers and obviously with the national team. So now I'm enjoying my career. I think it hasn't been bad. I mean, now there are lots of youngsters coming through. They are very good footballers, so I need to fight a little bit more. So I think for me now it's about working hard, getting back uh, to keep playing at the high level and also learn other things of the field that I really enjoy so much doing at the moment. Was it difficult to break into club football in the UK? Um, Yes, I think moving from Uganda to the UK, the style of play is completely different because I think in Uganda it's more focused on the fitness and the running and Coming to the UK, everything is a bit more tactical, more technical. Uh, Obviously, I think at that point I wasn't the most technical player, I wasn't the most tactical player. So it's been about learning over the years, and now I feel like I'm more intelligent with the game. I'm I'm good uh, tactically. Uh, Having done my football badges, coaching badges now, I understand the, the game a lot more. And I think I've learned a lot from moving from Africa to the UK, but obviously it wasn't very easy. It takes a lot of sacrifices. I left my family, I left my friends, and I mean, living in the UK, it's been like a a step that I've had to take to be brave. But yeah, I think it's paid off because I love challenging myself. So it's a big learning experience, like you say, but there aren't that many African players with clubs in England. Why is that? Um, you know, it's quite hard to answer. I think, obviously, now with England, from what I know, the rules are different. To play in the top leagues, you have your country has to be top 40, something like that. So most African countries obviously fall outside of the 40. And if you see players like Asisa, who are from Nigeria, I don't know which other African players actually have played in the uh, WSL League of England. You see that Nigeria is 38 in Africa, so I mean in, in the world. So it's, I think, mainly the ranking that's affecting that and the rules of the English game. But I think with time, things are changing. There are lots of African players now playing abroad, not necessarily in England, which is a positive. Uh, and and they're really good, which is exciting. So the Women's World Cup, uh, exciting. It was a big addition. I think it drew a lot of attention, and uh, African teams, for the first time, too, got beyond the group stage. What were your impressions of the Women's World Cup? Wow, it was the best World Cup I've ever experienced before. I think it was better than the Men's World Cup in Russia. I don't know why I say that, but I think because the whole buzz before the World Cup was amazing, 
And then coming into the World Cup itself, starting with the Women's Football Convention, I mean, I was so honored to be a part of that as a speaker. And for me, that was a massive step for women's football, uh, having so many ambassadors getting involved in the game. And then the quality of playing on the field was just over the moon. Um, obviously, teams like USA took it to another level, but also the African teams for the first time, Nigeria and Cameroon qualifying out of the group stage. That was a, a big plus. So I think overall I enjoyed the experience. At least I watched a few games out there. At this point, I feel like women's football has a direction and we, we can see where it's going. We just need to keep working hard and be consistent. That's one of Africa's leading female footballers, Jean Seninde of Uganda. And a memorable year this for women's football, Ida. You know, Steve, in as much as the women's game is still lagging behind... I will agree with you there. I mean, 2019 has been a memorable year for women's football. And look, not just in Africa, but even more so on that global stage. I mean, from the FIFA Women's World Cup, where we witnessed unprecedented numbers, Steve, in viewership, finally cementing what we already knew, but what some people needed proof on, that women's football is a serious sport It's popular enough to attract the numbers and revenue. I mean, from that to having the first ever female referee at a men's UEFA Super Cup game, you know. And then focusing on Africa, it's just been stride after stride. Uh, For the first time ever at a men's under 23 African, we had three female match officials, you know, one center referee, two assistant referees. Um, looking at the case in South Africa, Steve, where, I mean, that was just otherworldly, <laughs> you know, and it's sad that we do have to think of it that way, but it is still a huge stride in and of itself, where Banyana Banyana, the women's national team, will for the first time ever receive equal pay to the men's national team, Bafana Bafana. And looking at Sininde, I, I do remember seeing her in Cairo, uh, during the Nations Cup in July. Remember thinking how accomplished um, she is, runs her own foundation in Uganda, hosts her own football development tournament. I remember we talked about that, where it really is an inspiring sight to see the men's national team players, the Uganda Cranes, actually help her promote her tournament, you know. And uh, up until recently, she was the first ever female general coordinator at a Sekafa senior men's tournament. So, I mean, it's just stride after stride. 2019 has been a very positive year for women's football. My hope would be about taking those positive moments to the next level, Steve. We'll bring on 2020 for women's football. Thanks a lot, Ida. It's Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Let's go now to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. And to Stuart, Man City back to their devastating best last weekend and a chance to close the gap to 11 points on Liverpool this weekend, with the Reds busy at the FIFA Club World Cup and beaten 5-0 by Aston Villa midweek in the EFL Cup quarterfinals with a very young squad. Yes, but Liverpool did the business last weekend, completing their 16th win in 17 games when they beat Watford with a goal in each half from Mo Salah. But in truth, it was a pretty average performance by Liverpool, with bottom of the table Watford creating and missing the best chances in the game. But Liverpool's position was actually improved by Leicester City being held to a draw by second bottom team Norwich City 
And so Liverpool's lead actually increased to 10 points. Now, we talked last week about Jamie Vardy's run of goals, scoring in seven consecutive Premier League games. His sequence came to an end in rather farcical circumstances. Vardy seemed to have headed Leicester City's equaliser, only for the goal to be credited as a Tim Crow own goal. You have to feel for Vardy. Now, Manchester City. Now, when the fixtures came out, Arsenal at home to Manchester City, that looked a tough game for City. But with Arsenal in chaos, it proved to be an excellent time for City to go to the Emirates. They were two up in 15 minutes, three up at half time, but didn't add in the second half. A great performance, but the gap is just too big, you'd think, unless Liverpool have a complete implosion. Now, we reported a few weeks ago that the then Arsenal captain, Granit Xhaka, reacted badly to being substituted. Well, I'm afraid there's been a repeat performance, this time by Mesut Ozil who reacted to his substitution by taking off his gloves, rolling them into a ball and kicking them away. Yes, and Ozil was involved in a bigger controversy as well. He posted on Twitter that in China, Korans are being burnt, mosques are being closed down, Muslim schools are being banned and Muslims are being imprisoned. And China reacted very swiftly to this by deciding not to broadcast Arsenal's game that week against Manchester City. And a spokesman for the Chinese Foreign Ministry said, it seems that Ozil has been misled by fake news. We would like to invite him to come to Xinjiang as long as he comes with an open mind and is able to distinguish what is right and wrong. But the move by the television station will worry Arsenal and the Premier League because they see China's vast population as a prime market for attracting new fans. And China is the Premier League's most lucrative overseas territory, with already a $700 million contract in place for TV rights, which is worth about $10 million per year to each Premier League club for the next three years. At the same time, Ozil has been praised for his courage in raising the issue. And also Ozil has been removed from China's version of the Pro Evolution Soccer 2020 video game. Uh, So a big issue this is. And uh, still with the Gunners, Stuart, Mikel Arteta taking over as manager. Uh, Good move? When the club dispensed with the services of Unai Emery and appointed former player and youth coach Freddie Lundberg, that was intended to buy some time. But with a dismal run of results, a draw at Norwich City, home defeat by Brighton, scraping a draw with Standard Liège from 2-0 down and being taken apart by Manchester City, it was becoming clear that Arsenal were getting worse, not better. And the club believed they needed to have a new manager in place before the transfer window, as the squad obviously needs strengthening. Mikel Arteta played for Arsenal for five years, 2011 to 2016, so he knows the club. He knows its traditions and its history. He's a good fit. Ironically, there was talk he would go to Everton as manager, and that would have worked too, because he played for Everton for six years. Since 2016, he has been assistant at Manchester City to Pep Guardiola. They were together at Barcelona for five years, and Arteta is believed to be a very influential assistant. As I say, he looks a good fit for Arsenal, but it is his first head coach role after only three years' experience coaching at Manchester City. He's just 37. I think he can succeed, but don't expect miracles overnight. Right, and what else have you got for us, Stuart? When Wolves 
played Tottenham last weekend, the two managers were Jose Mourinho for Tottenham and Nuno for Wolves. They're no strangers to each other, as Nuno was a player for Porto when Mourinho was the manager. And incredibly, this is the third time this has happened this season. Chris Wilder, Sheffield United manager, was a player at Sheffield United under Steve Bruce, now of Newcastle. And Chelsea's Frank Lampard played for Manchester City under Manuel Pellegrini, who faced him this season as West Ham manager. Steve, I know you're going to love this one. When John Lundstrom created a goal for John Fleck of Sheffield United last weekend, it was the first time that one John had assisted another John to score in the Premier League since John Terry passed to John Obi Mikel of Chelsea in 2013. <laughs> Two Johns making a goal. Uh, sounds like it was long overdue. Thanks, Stuart. So the big games this weekend in the English Premier League. Man City Leicester is on Saturday. Tottenham Chelsea on Sunday in a London derby. And a very busy time with many games over the Christmas and New Year period. And along with many others around the world, the team here at Planet Sport Football Africa will be celebrating Christmas, a special time for followers of Jesus Christ. And one of the names of Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So may we wish you and your family a very happy and peaceful Christmas and a new year filled with peace and joy. Well, that's it for the show for this week. Back next week with our last programme of 2019, looking back at some of the highlights of the year. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, from Stuart Weir and Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.